We have a guest speaker this morning that I'm uh, honored to, uh, to invite in just a moment. Keith and uh, his wife, Betty Ann, here today as well. Bishop, um, that's, not their, that's not their title in church terms. That's their last name, just to clarify. You've never heard that before, have you, Keith? Huh? But uh, anyway, Keith and Betty Ann Bishop have served faithfully uh, for in many decades, actually. And he, I, I got that wording from him. That's not me trying to make him look old. Okay, because uh, I can say the same thing now. I've uh, been in ministry decades. That's, that's a little scary. But seriously, have across our fellowship, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada uh, have been uh, just faithful servants of God. They have four sons, two daughters, 18 grandchildren, plus a recent addition, their first great-grandson. Grandson? Yes, grandson. That's worth, a, that's worth an applause, I think. Eh? First great-grandson? Wow. So you are old then. That's what that means. But for the past five years, Keith has served as the vice president of Vanguard College, our denominational college in, uh, in Edmonton, where so many of our, our pastors have, uh, have taken their training. As a matter of fact, Vanguard College, formerly known as Northwest Bible College in my day and Miriam's day and my dad's day, is a, is a, um, uh, a, a place that has uh, blessed our family for th three generations with Pastor Brennan having uh, gone there as well for his pastoral training. Uh, uh, just a, a great uh, history, actually, of, of ministry. Uh, but, but Keith uh, is, uh, he focuses on strategic development, which includes connecting with our district churches in the Alberta Northwest Territories District. Um, and uh, endeavors to build the financial base for the ministry of the college. The, bi the bishops have, have known both success in their lives and ministry, along with disappointments, as well as deep tragedy when their 31-year-old daughter suddenly passed away numbers of years ago. Uh, the bishops are a testimony of the sustaining strength that God gives and, and of his sustaining faithfulness, the faithfulness of Jesus Christ in the world that does bring many challenges. And uh, I honor you today and thank you for um, being a younger pastor to look up to. Uh, I'm, I'm quite serious, not about the younger part, but well, that's true too, but, but quite serious about having, uh, you know, not that I've known you well, Keith, but watched your life and heard things and through friendship with your brother and, and uh, to honor you for your faithfulness in the ministry and being a, a great example to, uh, to, that, to the younger generation. God bless you. Welcome him warmly this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you uh, very much, Pastor. Uh, it's, it's true that uh, time is ticking on. It is true. We just got a, a message here a few days ago from our granddaughter that uh, the second grandchild is on the way. <laughs> Great-grandchild. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. Um, the truth of it is, life keeps clicking by real quickly. And I, I just want to interject at this time, if I may, I just want to go to prayer with you, if I can do that. I'm a tiny bit, a tiny bit um, uh, pushed off course I have a, a, many brothers, and uh, my young, one of my younger brothers, uh, Alvin, is in critical care in the Brantford Hospital, and so I, I, I'm mindful of him, and I, I just wonder if you would pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you are worthy of our trust. 
Lord, we know that this life is, is not, this, is, this life isn't eternal at all. It's very finite. But Lord, we pray that, Lord, if you would be so gracious, Lord, that you would touch Alvin, and that you would heal him, and Lord, that he would be well until the day you call him home. Father, I thank you that he knows you. And Father, I not only pray for Alvin, but I also pray for the family and uh, the, the pressures that this kind of situation brings. And Lord, we know that unless you intervene, there really is no hope. But Lord, you are a God who gets the last word. And Father, we trust you. We've seen it in our pastoral ministry dozens and dozens of times where, Lord, you intervened. And so, Father, we ask today for Alvin in this regard. But, Lord, not only Alvin, but for other people in this congregation that may have similar concerns. Lord, would you meet them at their point of need? Lord, would you do that miracle? Would you turn the situation around for your honor and for your glory? And all God's people said? I'll just try it again. All God's people said? There we go. That's better. Well, as Pastor Marlow said, I have the pleasure of serving at Vanguard College and going around to many, many of our churches throughout the district, and it's just a pleasure to be here today. And even this morning, as my wife and I were praying and asking God to bless just over here in the hotel room, we were just saying, God bless, God minister to those who gather in this place even now. And I want to just encourage you, just try to, as much as possible, uh, you know, get to the point real quickly where you say, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? God, what do you want to do in my heart, in my life today? I want to start by saying thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, how you support Vanguard College. Uh, a couple of photographs uh, you can see on the screen. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm glad to tell you that uh, the college has weathered the last few years of, of various challenges pretty good. God is with us and God is helping us. Uh, we have around uh, just a little over 200 students at this time. The peak of the school that we've ever had was 300. And, and so we're thankful for the students that God entrusts to us. And we see an upswing happening already through preview days and various things like that. And so I am so thankful that your prayers are being answered. Also, it's important for me to say to your pastor and to your leadership team and to this congregation, thank you for your monthly support. You support Vanguard College every month faithfully. And I, when I pulled up here, I had not realized it, or if I had known, I forgot about it, that you were in a building program and I look into my records, and I see that even in your building program, you have been so, so faithful to the college in your monthly giving. So uh, why don't you nudge somebody and say, hey, way to go. <laughs> like, like that, that's pretty awesome. And I really, really appreciate that. And on behalf of Pastor McKnight, our president, and um, our whole staff, and especially the students, thank you, thank you, thank you. One of my uh, jobs uh, at the college is to endeavor to raise a significant amount of funds every year. Uh, we, we, we go along and, and we do pretty good. Uh, and then we uh, find, again, we're, we're on our face before God saying, God, help us. Every year we need to raise approximately $450,000 in order to supplement the uh, needs to educate the students that come to us. A student will pay about $8,500 a year to attend Vanguard College, but the actual cost is about $15,500. 
And so the difference is made up from people like yourself, churches like yourself. And again, we thank you so much for helping us in this ministry. I want to move right to uh, uh, the message today that I have uh, before me here from Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. You may know that story. You may know that uh, account in the Bible where, where God is, is basically calling this guy, Nehemiah, and uh, before we get into that, the title itself is When the Need Becomes the Call. When the Need Becomes the Call. I think sometimes what we do, uh, we don't mean to do this, but we wait, we're waiting for an audible voice from heaven for, for God to say, go, and, and like as Pastor Marlowe invited you to, to participate in the new auditorium, uh, you know, and put up signs and so on, you know, say, well, I'll, I'll pray about it, and I'll see if God speaks to me if I'm going to go. Sometimes the need becomes the call. Can I get a witness? It really does. The need becomes the call. I remember one time I was going along on, on the road, and uh, I pulled up to an accident, and the accident, and I was the first on the scene, and here is this lady in the car, and she was obviously disoriented, and she was, I don't know how injured she may or may not have been, but I went up to her, I got out of my vehicle, of course, and I got, went up to her, and, you know, and I began to minister, I, I talked to her, I told her I was a minister, I was praying for her, just be steady, be calm, you know, the ambulance is on the way, and, you know, I just, just talked to her. I didn't take time to go, well, you know, I need to, God, is it your will that I go help this lady? No, the need became the call. I mean, I, I needed to do something right now. And so I think that that's what happened here in part. You know, Nehemiah, he found out that the walls around Jerusalem had been broken down. Now, for us, I know that's such a foreign concept, but that, that was a very, very big deal in those days. And, and, and the Bible says that when Nehemiah heard the information about the walls being broken down, the city being vulnerable... He says, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. I, I don't know about you, but when was the last time that you heard some news of some sort that caused you to weep? No, not the last election. <laughs> we all wept on that day. I'm talking federal. Uh, You know, you hear something, it actually affects you to the point where you actually really feel impacted by it. Maybe you realize that a neighbor has gone to home, or not gone home, but gone into eternity, and you're unsure of what happened with that individual. We're not the judge. We can't judge whether they're heaven-bound or hell-bound necessarily. We, can, we don't know. We don't always hear a profession of faith. So sometimes we, we can be really impacted when we find out a neighbor is hurting. Just a few days ago at 2 in the morning, I woke up, and I was walking in my living room, and I was just praying, and I was burdened for my neighbor. My neighbor is a senior man, and I've known him for about two years. That's how long we've had that house. And so I've known him for about two years, and I've touched base a little bit about this and that. And, and, and it's just various things but I've never had a chance to really talk to him about the Lord. And I was just saying to, to the Lord at 2 in the morning, I just say, Lord, what, what, what can I do, Lord? What, like, how do I get through to this guy? How do I get an open door? And I really felt the Lord impress upon me that I needed to take a little bit of time, forget my breakfast, and take time to pray the next morning. 
and go over there and talk to him. And so just a few days ago, and, and so I did that. I went over there and I walked. I went to, I'd never been in his house, but I knocked on the door. He opened the door. And he says, oh, hi. And I said, yeah. I said, can I come in? He said, sure, come on in. So I went in there and I spent a good amount of time with him just talking over the gospel with him and talking about the things of God with him. And he, he assured me that as a child, he had invited Christ into his life. And, and I just felt so good. And I told him, I called him by name. I said, man, I said, at two in the morning, I'm up praying for you. I said, I have to make sure that you know the way because I can't sleep. <laughs> and he laughed and we had this great conversation. Sometimes the need becomes the call. Sometimes the call is from God and you can hear his voice practically, not on your physical ears usually, at least not for myself. It's usually something that I hear for the, through the word of God or through even circumstances. But I encourage you, allow the things that bother you to bother you. It's interesting how Nehemiah reacted. He repented for himself, for his family, and for his nation. He repented. I'll tell you, I think sometimes we don't say thank you enough. How many would agree with that? I want to just publicly say thank you to Pastor Marlowe for serving on our board for multiple years with distinction. And I don't know if we can ever adequately, he had no idea I was going to say this, but I don't know if we can ever adequately say thank you, but I want to publicly say, you have a good pastor. You have a good pastor. And I'm not suggesting you kiss his ring, no, like, don't go crazy, you know. He's a human, you know, I've pastored for over 40 years, I get it. But he's one of the best. And I just encourage you, pray for him, appreciate him. I, I'm going to speak out of turn. Do you know that, that, that sometimes uh, it's a known fact, people have done studies on this. They, I, I've been asked the question personally as well, why do pastors leave? Now again, we've had no conversations whatsoever. I'm not talking about your pastor, but I'm talking about the, the pastors in the broadest sense. Why do pastors leave? And I said, there's three reasons. The first reason is they, they feel unappreciated. They feel unappreciated. The second one, they feel underpaid. And the third one is that God actually told them to leave. And it's usually in that order. I know many, many pastors who just, they, they want to, they feel they're giving, and they question whether they're ever giving enough, and they are getting a little tired. And I get, I am not referring to your own pastor, but I know from going through a building program myself, a large building program in one of our churches, it, is, it, it takes a lot of energy, and a lot of energy on your part as well. Would you just go out of your way this week to actually very concretely pray for your pastor and for his spouse? Would you do that this week? I saw if you do that every day, every week. God bless you, that's wonderful. But I encourage you, double down on that this week. And pray for him, that God would sustain him and strengthen him. And I really believe that that would be pleasing to the Lord. Can I get a witness in the house? Come on. Amen. That's good. And by the way, happy birthday, Miriam. Happy birthday to you. We won't sing. We won't sing. Well, you know, Nehemiah, he wanted, he wanted to, to, uh, to be used by God. And he needed some help to fix the problem. He couldn't do it on his own, but God used him as a point person. 
And God blessed him as a point person. And I just want to move into this other season here of, of Scripture, of, of Matthew chapter 9, when Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in the synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God has called every one of us to follow him. And that is going to look a little bit different for each person. The call goes out and we have all deficiencies of all sorts. And sometimes we disqualify ourselves and we say we're just not worthy. I want to tell you the story of a lady that I know. Uh, you, may, you may think I knew her as a kid, but it's not true. It's from 1932. Uh, and you can see the, 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 uh, the paper article, the newspaper article here. Blind girl to graduate with divinity school class. She graduated with honors from that divinity school in New Brunswick, Newcastle, New Brunswick, back in the day, back in the 1930s. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this young lady, this young woman. When she was uh, 11 years old, she always had eye problems, eyesight problems. But when she was 11 years old, one day on the way home from school in New Brunswick, she uh, saw some smoldering in the, few, in, the, in the distance. As she got closer, she realized that her house was engulfed in flames. Well, back in the 30s, that was, uh, or maybe even the 20s at this point, but that was a big, big deal. You didn't have a fire department like you have today. And the shock of what she saw that day caused her to go instantly blind. She went completely 100% blind at that moment in her life. Later that day, they found her going in circles in the field in hysterics uh, because she couldn't see and she couldn't find her way home. She didn't know what to do. She had seen the fire. In that fire, her little three-year-old sister perished and the family home was destroyed. And there's more to the story, but I mean, that large family of 11 kids and a mom and dad were destitute and in a real tough situation. Well, time moved on and and Doris became a Christian. She was a follower of Christ. It was a godly family. And she got to the place where she felt the call of God to go into ministry. She felt God tugging at her heart. But she said, God, I can't go into ministry. Number one, I'm a woman. And in those days, that was a big problem. <laughs> I mean, people wouldn't give you the time of day. It's much better today, praise God. But then it was a real fight. But she said, what am I supposed to do? Like, God, I'm a, I'm a woman. Uh, I'm blind. I can't see. I don't have any money. Uh, how am I supposed to go to Bible college? And so she had all these excuses, but the Lord had given the call. And so she came through that, and she broke through those barriers. And she went, and she did her classes, and she did all these things that she had to do. She learned Braille, and she began to do her, her studies and I had the pleasure just a few years ago of having this very lady come to one of our services and she stood there and she preached the word of God with her Braille Bible going like this as she preached looking off into the distance because of course she can't see 
And it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And she's from New Brunswick. And so she preaches like this. Really high-pitched for all you Easterners. You know what I'm talking about. High-pitched voice. And it was a glorious, glorious time. Well, in the next picture, you're going to see a picture of this lady. If you haven't figured out yet, she is my aunt, Aunt Doris. She died in June of, of 2022, by the way, at the age of 100. And you see in the picture, if you look close at that greeny picture... If you look close, you'll see her up to a desk, and uh, you can see stacked on that table uh, a bunch of Bibles. That's what they are. They're Bibles. And I actually, this is the book of Genesis. Uh, if you stacked one copy of her Bible in Braille from the floor up to six feet, you would find one copy of the Bible. And here is, is her, her, I inherited this when she passed away the book of Genesis, and she would preach from this and read it, and that's what she did. And when I see this kind of dedication for my dear auntie, I think to myself, how many people have I met over the years when I was working in various official offices uh, in our district, uh, helping people get credentials and so on and so forth? Uh, how many times I heard excuses like, well, I, I can't do it because I, you know, I, I, I got upset about this. Or while I was pastoring, how people would come and say, Pastor, I'm leaving the church. Well, why are you leaving the church? Well, brother so-and-so, I, I came three weeks in a row. He never shook my hand. And I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, they were serious. And then I think of my auntie, the obstacles. If God gives a call, he will make a way. If God gives a call, he will make a way. We have got to stop wimping out because it's going to hurt a bit. We have to stop backing off because it's going to be a little bit of the S word, suffering. Because in the end of it all, we keep going forward. Marlowe alluded to the fact that we lost one of our daughters at the age of 31 very suddenly. I'll tell you, it was a, a, a tough time. And I could tell you, I would like to be able to say to you, well, praise God, God was with us, and he was. But I'd like to be able to tell you that, yeah, I skipped through that. We sang songs of joy for the next year. No, we went through the valley of the shadow. That's what we did. And I remember six weeks into it, after my daughter had passed away, I still love the Lord. He still loved me. And I, my whole board, my six board members came over to my house just to bless us and comfort us. And, and I told them, pardon me, it wasn't six weeks. It was much quicker than that. I apologize. But uh, they, came in, and they came into our house. And I said, guys, I got nothing. I, I got nothing. I love the Lord. He loves me. I, I can't preach. I can't talk. I, I can't. I got nothing. I just, I just can't do it. And praise God, I had a godly board. And they said, Pastor, as long as it takes, as long as it takes, we're here for you. And it was six weeks that I was back in the pulpit preaching. And you say, well, man alive, when I've, I've lost a love, and I only got three days off. Listen, it's, it's, it is a little, a little bit challenging to stand before a congregation when you're weeping all the time. You can't do it. And I just thank God for people that care. I thank God that people will come alongside of you when you're hurting. You don't have to do it on your own. He'll be with you. He will help you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's a faithful God. I must move on. Mark chapter 1 says, after John was put into prison, how do you like that for an honorarium? Amen. 
After John was put into prison, he finished preaching. They put him in prison. Uh, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, or into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. They had gone a little further, and he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Sometimes people, well-meaning people, will try to stop you from answering the call of God on your life. Sometimes that will happen. Peter tried to stop Jesus. Peter tried to stop Jesus from doing what God the Father had led him to do. In Matthew 16, verse 21, it says, when the time uh, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, they shall never, this shall never happen to you. And then Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You, are, you, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then Jesus said to his disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Two basic approaches to life. Deny yourself, take up the cross and follow Christ. Lose your life for his sake, follow him. Forsake the world, keep your soul, share in the rewards, share in his glory, praise his name, or live for yourself. Ignore the cross, follow the world, gain the world, lose your soul, lose your reward, lose your glory. Wow, that's the choice. Everyone is called to follow Jesus. Everyone is called to follow Jesus. Now, this next frame, this next picture is one I put in just to give you a smile here today and remind you that spring is coming. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I saw some motorcycles out yesterday and the day before, and uh, I thought, well, there's a little, little bit of a joy coming for, for, the, for the springtime. And you say, well, Pastor Keith, what's that got to do with this sermon? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. <laughs> We don't know ourselves as much as we think. We don't know ourselves as much and as well as we think. We must seek wisdom and guidance from the Word of God and ask the Holy Spirit for His leading on all decisions, certainly major ones. Let me just quickly go to this as we head for a conclusion, and I head for a little while. All of the disciples thought that they knew themselves really good. And maybe you think you know yourself really good today as well, as most of us probably do. But they were personally chosen by Jesus Christ. They attended this small Bible college. They worked closely with Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus the Christ. They worked with him. 
They didn't read about the, the miracles. They saw the miracles up front and personal. They saw it themselves. They saw the blind eyes open. They saw the crippled people healed. I mean, and on and on we can go as recorded out throughout the Gospels uh, found in the Bible. And Peter said to, to Jesus, he said, you know, even, even if all the other guys follow, fall away, I will never fall away. Matthew 26, 33. And Jesus said, Simon, I tell you the truth, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter didn't take the hint. He doubles down. He declares this loyalty again. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. Did you catch that part? And the Bible says that Peter, after this was fulfilled, he went out and he wept bitterly because, of course, Jesus was right. God knows you. God knows me. Full stop. God really knows you. And he still loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's how much God loves you. So here we have these guys, graduates of the most wonderful Bible college ever existing. The triumphal entry is there. They're coming into Jerusalem. People are freaking out. They're screaming, Hosanna to the king. They're taking off their coats. They're taking things. They're, they're putting palm branches down. I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful moment. I'm sure the disciples are all giving themselves high fives. Hey, we graduated three years. It's done. Look at this. We're going to go. We're going to take over the world. How awesome. And Messiah Jesus is our, is our God. He's our king. And then, as you know, the story, just a few days later, on the Friday, the crucifixion took place. The whole crowd turned the other way. It was no longer how wonderful he is. Hosanna to the king. It was kill him, crucify him. He offends us. We hate him. We want him dead. Wow, what a shock to the disciples. What a, what a shock to the graduating class that day to see the change and how destitute, how afraid they were. They went and they hid. They were scared. They lied their way out of situations. Obviously, the Bible records some, and, and they were so just distraught, completely thrown off. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, betrayal, denial, but then the resurrection comes. Can I get a hallelujah in the house? The resurrection comes where Jesus is raised from the dead. And he appears to the disciples and many, many others as well. And, and, and they're, they're being restored and they're being comforted and they're being ministered to by Jesus once again. And he's, he's, he's telling them good things and building them up again in their faith. And you would think that that would be enough. Now, enough, now that they've seen the resurrected Jesus, that surely would be enough. But Jesus said, no, it's not enough. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ascend to the Father. But you guys, you have to wait. Wait here until you are empowered by the Spirit, until the Comforter comes. Don't leave Jerusalem until that happens. Don't leave. Now, you would think that it would be enough, but it wasn't enough. 
And I want to encourage you that you and I to fulfill the call of God on our life. It's not enough to simply know the word of God inside and out. It's not enough to be a graduate of the greatest school in Western Canada, Vanguard College. That's not enough. You're going to have to humble yourself before the Lord and say, Father, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. I need the power of the spirit in my life. Some of you may be well enough off to buy a brand new, a brand new, oh, shall I say, Chevy truck. Yeah, 2024, on sale, $85,000. Can you believe that? And that's without the bells and whistles. $85,000. And you can take that to your home and you can sit it in your driveway and everybody goes, hey, nice truck. Awesome. But you haven't got $150 left to put gasoline in it. It won't do you any good whatsoever because it's useless without the fuel. You and I can be saved, but we need the power of the Spirit to do the work he's called us to. Can I get a witness in the house? It's really true. You say, now, Pastor Keith, we're not going to start speaking in tongues now. Don't go there. No, look at Relax. Everybody oh, got quiet. No, listen, my friends. I'm not asking you to do anything except for be filled with the Spirit according to the Word of God and I am not going to get hung up on anything except be filled with the Spirit. You need the Spirit. Ask Him to fill you with the Spirit, to overflowing. The Bible says, it is not by might, it is not by power, it is by my Spirit, says the Lord. That's how it's going to be done. Remember in Acts chapter 19, how it was so clear these people were saved. They were gloriously saved. It was an awesome thing. The Spirit of God obviously moving in their life. But then you find some other more mature believers came along and they said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, we, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? And then you know the rest of the scripture. Read it for yourself in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, we need in this day and age, in 2024 and going forward, we need the Spirit of the living God living in us, working through us. You cannot do it in your own flesh. I've tried. I've tried. You have to do it in the presence and the power of our living Savior. Praise his holy name. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Ah. Oh. I have to tell you one more little story as we close. I uh, wasn't sure if I would share it or not. But one of your pastors led in prayer earlier, and he alluded to the prodigal son. And when he prayed that way, I thought, Lord, is that a confirmation in my heart that I need to talk to them quickly about one of our prodigal sons? And so I'm going to talk to you real quickly about one of our prodigal sons. He was raised in the most awesome home ever. Awesome father, awesome mother. We never hung him up by his feet ever. We never did crazy stuff, never. He knew he was loved, he was blessed. But around the age of 18, he decided, 
under some very duress uh, circumstances to leave home and to leave the province. And he got in with a crowd that was not good. He got in a crowd that was really, really bad. But that's not to excuse him because he's not a robot. He could have said no, but he didn't say no. And he got into it and he got in trouble. He lost everything he had. He ended up in trouble with the law. He ended up in all kinds of situations. He ended up homeless. One year goes by, two years go by, five years go by, six years, seven years, 10 years go by. We're praying, we're still preaching, we're still teaching, we're still crying out to God, oh God. Never think that for a moment because you do something this way and this way and this way and God is pleased with you that your offspring may choose a different path. They will choose a different path possibly for a season. My son ended up in federal prison. Federal prison is when it's more than, for more than two years and we would go visit him in the federal prison and we would talk to him through the glass for the initial, and eventually we were allowed to come in and sit with him, but we were only allowed a little hug. You couldn't too, too much because it was, a, I don't know what they thought you were going to do, but whatever. Uh, it, was, it was an awful situation. Still a loving young man. Now what happened, I, you need to hear this part of the story. One day God got a hold of his heart, and he ended up on the floor in his prison cell with his face down in, in that prison cell. And crying out to God, God, forgive me. God, he, he thought he was going to die on the streets of Calgary. He thought he was going to die. He was, he was one of those homeless guys you see in Calgary. He's one of those guys that you would go by and go, get a job, buddy. You know what I mean? You know, skin and bones, teeth all rotted out. I'm not exaggerating. It was terrible. We wouldn't see him for long periods of time. Finally, we would get so frustrated. We'd say, Holy Spirit, please lead us. We have to see him. We want to talk to him. And God, by his mercy at times, would lead us. And we would find him crossing the street somewhere. And we'd get him and we'd take him for a meal and clean him up a little bit. And then he was right back into the, the drug world and all the hell that goes with the street. Hopeless in the natural he told this later, he said, I thought I would die on the streets. I fully expected to die on the streets. Freezing cold winters, all that goes with it. He found himself on, the face, on his face crying out to God in prison. Oh, we were so happy when he got arrested. Amen. Every time he got arrested, we go, oh, thank you, Lord. At least now we know where he is. Now we know he's at least warm. He's going to get food. He's going to be okay in that sense for a little while. When he got out of prison, I mean, a long story as short as I can, he came to our home. He got a good job. He was a great, he was truly transformed. And then he got real sick one day. And this time he got an infection in his blood. And we didn't even know it in the middle of the night again. God works in the middle of the night. He was so sick. He said he was, again, on the floor with his face down in, in his room in our house crying out, wishing to die. It was so excruciating. And he said, what happened was God spoke to me. He said, Adam, I want you to go. I want you to get training. I want you to get going. I've called you to be a pastor. And I was like, I'll do anything to get off this floor. <laughs> and he got off that floor. 
I began to make arrangements. He was accepted into the Bible college. This is before I was, this is before I was on staff, so that wasn't, I, I didn't have anything to do with it. He was accepted into the college on trial. Three years ago, he graduated from Vanguard College. Today, he's married man with a, with a daughter. He's the lead pastor in Stetler, Alberta, at the Pentecostal Church. And I tell you that because some of you have a prodigal, and you're like we were. And that is, you say, there's no hope. There's no hope. Yes, there's hope. There is hope. And I don't know, maybe, Pastor, you can have Adam come and tell the story someday, and you can hear it from his point of view with a lot more details. But I'm telling you, my friends, it, there is hope. And so God will call whoever he will choose to call. And God will minister by the power of his might. And don't you give up on yourself. And don't you give up on your loved ones. Don't do it. The enemy wants you to give up. Don't give up. Just keep crying out to God. Keep crying out to God. Until it's over, it's not over. And I want to encourage you in that today. Because I somehow sense that there will be, in a fine auditorium, in a fine congregation like this, there will be some people that have uh, a prodigal that you're worried sick over. Put them in the hands of the Lord every day and expect God to do something awesome. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you, Lord, that we don't serve a God that we only read about awesome stories, but we actually see awesome stories right before us, sometimes in our own home. I thank you, Lord, for the testimony that Adam has given me permission to share. And Lord, I just thank you so much that I'm able to tell people not only of the misery and of the pain, but also of the victory and the love and the restoration. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are calling people. I thank you, Lord, that Vanguard College can be a part of it. But Lord, without the Spirit, we're nothing. And without your leading, we are nothing. Without your help and direction, we will surely fail. But with you, all things are possible because we believe, Lord, we love you, we trust you. Father, for the one who needs encouragement today, build them up, I pray. Encourage them in their soul. And we ask it in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And all God's people said amen. Amen.